Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for our time together, for the opportunity to open the truth of your word, for the incredible time of worship through song that we've already experienced. And Lord, I pray that we just continue with thoughts of worship. Just continue with the mindset of, of honoring you and um, just putting all of our attention on who you are in our lives. And I pray that as we open the truth of your word, you would just speak very clearly to us this morning, Father. Lord, I pray for all the churches of our area. Lord, as we continue just to be mindful of uh, what you're doing in Troop County and uh, Georgia and all around the world, Father, I pray that we would remember that we're all on the same team. We're trying to accomplish what all these other churches are trying to accomplish, reach people for Christ. And so, Lord, I, I continue to pray specifically for our brothers and sisters in Christ in other churches in our area. And this morning, I pray specifically for Callaway Baptist, Lord. I pray for Brad Thompson and for what Brad's doing. Lord, I pray you just this morning as he prepares to preach, even right now, Lord, you just speak very clearly through him. Lord, I pray that your name would be honored and glorified in that place this morning. I pray you do great things through Callaway Baptist. That you'd reach our area with the gospel of Jesus Christ through those people and that your name would be honored and glorified, Lord. Lord, as I open the truth of your word this morning, give me words to speak that are your words, not my own that are very clear and compelling and the Spirit would use, Father, to to push us and to mold us and to shape us more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. We are continuing our study now through the book of Genesis. And we're beginning to wind things down. We said last week there were four weeks left. We've got three weeks left, including today. And we've been looking at, over the last several weeks, the life of Joseph. And just to catch you up to speed, and again, all of our podcasts are available online. You can go back and listen to any of the sermons you'd like. But just to kind of catch you up to speed, Joseph, at this point, has been sold into slavery. He was in Potiphar's house. He's thrown into prison. All the bad things that we think could happen have happened to Joseph He eventually has interpreted some dreams. The Pharaoh hears about him, brings him to interpret his dream. Joseph properly interprets the dream of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh places him second in charge of all of Egypt. Okay, we've kind of gotten to that point. The brothers that threw him into the pit many years ago, and by the way, if we were kind of think through chronology, we are now about, in our study, 22 years after he was thrown in that pit. That puts things in perspective. For us, it's been just a few weeks in our study. For Joseph, it's been 22 years. But the brothers that sold him into slavery have have reconnected with him through the famine. They've had to come to Egypt now to buy grain. Joseph is second in command of Egypt, so the brothers come. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And there's this interesting kind of dialogue that takes place over a few chapters. They go home, come back, go home, come back. And where we last left off, they've returned back, all the brothers, in front of Joseph. They still don't know who Joseph is. They've fallen down. Judah last week we saw in our study kind of repented for the brothers and we talked about how Judah is going to begin to kind of take a place of leadership, right? It's through Judah that Messiah will eventually come. 
And so Judah kind of takes this place of leadership, and we saw this pattern last week beginning to develop. We're going to kind of continue to see that pattern develop this morning and into the next couple of weeks. And the pattern looks kind of like this. We've seen repentance last week with Judah and the brothers. That repentance is going to lead to forgiveness this week, which will eventually lead to reconciliation. Now that pattern is true in our salvation. If we repent, Christ is faithful and just to forgive us. We are reconciled with God. We see that in our salvation. We see that in the life of Joseph. We see that in the Old and New Testament. And if we were to look closely enough in our own lives, we would realize that that same pattern takes place in our world as well. When there is repentance, there is forgiveness, eventually there is reconciliation. And so I want you to understand this morning in, in the difficulty of all that Joseph has done and all the struggle that he's been through and all the circumstances that he's found himself in over the last 22 years. And, and by the way, as we kind of compare this to our lives, we think the things that we've been through are difficult. As we understand all that Joseph has encountered, all that Joseph has been through, even in the difficulty of, of his life in chapter 45 of Genesis, Joseph in, in this most uh, amazing kind of turn of events, through the grace of the Lord in his life, is going to now forgive his brothers. It's a beautiful picture of reconciliation. We want to walk through that this morning as we better understand this scripture. But as I started thinking this week about the idea of forgiveness, and I am kind of reminded that we all struggle at times in our lives with forgiving others. And I started reading a little bit about forgiveness. The, the, the Lord kind of I guess revealed something to me that I thought was, was true in my own life, and I'm, I'm sure it's true in your life as well, but here's kind of what I thought. We, we don't really need to be convinced that forgiveness is important. I don't think anybody in here would doubt that forgiveness is important. You'd probably all say, yeah, that's something we need to do. We need to do a better job. It's a, it's a big deal. In fact, I was, I was reading one study that was talking about the importance of forgiveness and here's what the study said. I thought this was interesting. The inability or unwillingness to forgive creates tremendous stress and may be the source of physical problems such as a lack of energy, sleeplessness, headaches, joint pain, back pain. It may also be the root cause of depression or anxiety. I don't think anybody would dispute the idea that forgiveness is important. We know that. But here's the struggle, and I think this is where it's going to hit home for most of us. We don't deny that forgiveness is important. We just don't quite know how to forgive. You see the difference? We all know we need it. We all know it's real. We all know if we don't forgive people, it's going to eat us up. We're going to be bitter and angry. We, we get that. That's not really the question. The question more pertinent to our lives is, how then do we forgive? How do I take the sin that was done against me and the pain and the anger and the lies and the hurt and the abuse and on and on the list goes, how do I take all those things that have been done to me, maybe by this person or other, whatever the case, how do I take all of those things and in turn forgive the person that did them to me? That's the question. And so I want to begin this morning trying to understand how we forgive and let me just kind of a side note here. The way we answer any, without exception, of life's difficult questions is by examining the truth of God's word. That's always where we start. It always produces truth, and it always gives us the answers to our questions. Now, you may not always like the answers, 
but God's word will speak. So Genesis chapter 45, beginning of verse 1. We have it on the screens. We're going to walk through this passage again like we've done through the entire book of Genesis, verse by verse, and try to understand the truths that God's going to show us here. Genesis 45, beginning of verse 1. We have it on the screens as well. Then Joseph, remember the brothers have come back. They've fallen at his feet. Judah has repented. They still don't know who he is. Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. Pharaoh's household heard about it. By the way, just pause there on verse 2 for a second. This is not really part of the sermon or main point. I don't have time to get into all this. But nobody ever said forgiveness is easy. It's probably going to hurt. Verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. All they had done to him, and now this is Joseph, second in charge of all Egypt. They were terrified at what may happen, happen to them. So verse 4, so Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now let's pause there for a second. I want to give you this first truth. In this first, this first truth, in my mind at least, is kind of the key to understanding everything else. Because it gives us a perspective that maybe you haven't seen before, but it's a perspective that we need to understand. If we're going to understand biblical forgiveness... If we're going to get to the point of eventually being able to forgive those that have wronged us, this first truth, this first perspective is foundational. Here it is, number one. We can forgive by realizing that God has a bigger plan than we do. God has a bigger plan than we do. Now, I want you to see something in this text, and you're probably thinking, what does that have to do with forgiveness? I want to get there. I'm going to bring them together for you. You just stay with me, and we'll get there, okay? This entire story is really about God working. From the beginning, it's been about God's plan. Joseph understands that very clearly, and he's demonstrated his understanding by several things he said along the way. That doesn't change in verse 45. And so I want to point to you very clear indications in verses 5, 7, and 8 that Joseph understands that God's got a plan. Again, we're, this is big picture. We're going to narrow this down for a few minutes and a few minutes to your life and help you understand. But look with me, if you would, at these few verses. Stephen, bring up verse 5 for me, if you would. Listen to the words of Joseph. And now don't be distressed, don't, don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because, now here it is, it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. See that? Joseph said, listen, you don't really need to worry because it was really God's plan that I be sold into slavery and end up in Egypt. Pull up verse 7 for me if you would please. But God sent me ahead of you to prepare for you a remnant 
on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Right? Joseph said for the second time now, this is God's plan, guys. You thought you were doing certain things, but in reality, it's actually God's plan from the beginning to send me to Egypt. Now, third time in verse 8. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. See, you see, Joseph understands this big picture. Joseph understands that even though the brothers were involved in this sin, even though the brothers made mistakes, even though these difficult things have happened in Joseph's life, we see that Joseph understands very clearly, even through the difficulties of his life, it was still part of God's plan. Now that shouldn't surprise us because we see this all through Scripture. In fact, the Bible tells us over and over, and there, I, I don't have time to read all the verses, but just a few quick examples. Proverbs 16, verse 9. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord establishes his steps. Right? We, we, we think we're making plans, we think we're in control, but God actually establishes our steps. Psalm chapter 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel with you loving eye, with my loving eye on you. God says, I've got a plan. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to guide you in the way you should go. Proverbs 20, 24, a man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way, right? God says, I've got a plan. I'm in charge. I'm going to direct your life. Now, let's, let's kind of bring these two together. This is where the rubber meets the road. Okay, we're going to say biblically with truth that God directs our lives, that God's in control. He is the one that's kind of setting out the steps before us. That means that whatever struggles we're facing, whatever wrong has been done to us, God is not only aware of those struggles, but even in the wrongs that have done to us, even in the sin that has been done to us in our lives, God's not only aware of that stuff, he's going to use it to bring glory to himself. You understand that? God says, this is my plan. <laughs> your plan is down here. I get that, Adam. You got your own little plan, your selfish little weak little human plan. I got that, right? But God says, I've got a bigger plan. And when, when you think that the struggles that you're walking through are difficulties and you can't just figure out why the Lord would allow you to walk through them, God says, listen, my plan is far greater than yours. I'm going to let you walk through these difficulties. And in the midst of those things, even as you're struggling through them, my glory is going to be made known. But here's our problem. I'm, I'm going to kind of just nail it for you right here. Here's our problem. We would all say, yeah. Okay, I get that. God's got a bigger plan than I do. I get, what's the problem? Here's the problem. This, this is the absolute problem for us. When we get so consumed with the wrong done against us that it leads us to bitterness and it leads us to anger and it leads us to self-pity, when we get so consumed by those things, it's impossible to see the bigger picture of the Lord. You understand? We just get consumed. We're so busy thinking about all the wrongs that have done to us, been done to us and how terrible that person treated us and all the things they said they shouldn't have said. And, and then we begin to become bitter and, and then we be, begin to get angry. And then if we're not careful, it becomes vengeance for us, right? You ever done that? Well, that person deserves this. Or I wish I could get back at this person. 
Well, I, I wish I could do this in this person's life so they could understand the difficulty that I've been facing. We oftentimes, if we're not very careful, allow our selfishness and our self-centeredness to lead us to bitterness and to anger and eventually to vengeance and then to wrath. We want to get back, don't we? We want to punish them for all the things they've done to us. And as we begin to focus and concentrate on our own pain, we miss the bigger picture that God has for us. Some of you guys will remember the movie Taken. Liam Neeson. Remember the movie several years ago? Guys, I know you remember it. Don't play dumb. You're like, what movie? Yeah, you saw it. I know you saw it. I know you liked it. If you didn't see the movie, it's about a guy whose daughter gets kidnapped and he goes and rescues her. And, you know, there's a cool idea of dads protecting daughters. And we, we, we get that. And we buy, especially if you've got young daughters. And so we get that. Very popular movie. Very, very popular, especially among men. Well received. But, but here's the interesting thing. If you've never seen the movie, he kind of just mows through all these bad guys. Uh, and he does it with wrath, man. You know, and he's good at it. And the very end, he finally rescues his daughter. And we're like, yeah, you know, he, Whatever words you want to use there. But, but here's what we need to understand about this. We're just going to be honest. And I saw the movie and I liked it. So I'm, I'm repenting right now before you, okay? I saw the movie. But here's the truth you need to get. We didn't like that movie because it portrayed a man that was kind and forgave his enemies, did we? That's not why I watched it. It's not why you watched it either. We watched it because that man was wrathful, he enacted vengeance, and in the end, the bad guys got what they deserved, and it made us feel good, didn't it? See, the flesh is strong. And if we're not awfully careful, that's kind of who we become. And we allow the tragedies and the struggles of life that have sometimes molded us and shaped us to consume us to the point that all we can consider is revenge. And when you find yourself in a situation where the only thing that you think about is justifying or getting revenge or being angry at or giving that person what they deserve, I promise you, I promise you, you're not looking at the bigger picture of the Lord. Because God says, you know what? I can take care of vengeance. And I can take care of judgment. That's not your job, says the Lord. It's mine. And some of you are tracking along with me. You're like, yep, yep. <laughs> That's where I am. I'm struggling with this. I, this person has wronged me. Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was a decade ago. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a close friend. You, whatever it looks like for you. And you're saying, you know, I get this. I understand this. But how can I look past this anger? How can I look past this bitterness? How can I actually forgive? You say something like this, I just don't have it within me to forgive this person after all they've done wrong to me. Well, I would say in that moment, you're exactly right. You don't have what it takes to forgive that person. But the beautiful part about this story is that the Lord in his plan for our lives gives us the grace we need to forgive others if we'll just trust him. You're not gonna find it within yourself. You're not going to have the strength to do it. You're not going to be able to muster up enough courage to not be angry again. But what you are going to be able to do is fall on your face before the Lord. 
realizing his plans, repenting of your sin and your anger and your vengeance and the wrath and the revenge that you've thought about that's kind of been eating you up inside, you're going to repent of those things. You're saying, Lord, I don't have any way to get back at this person anyway. That's up to you. I trust you. Forgive me, Lord, and give me now the grace to forgive this person that sinned against me. That's the only way it's going to happen. And so one of the things I wanted to do in this sermon today, especially as I just kind of thought through this, because I know this is an issue that so many people struggle with. One of the things I wanted to do is give you very practical things kind of along the way to help you with this idea of forgiveness. So I'm going to give you three very quickly. Three practical things you ought to be doing if you're going to allow the Lord to use you and you're going to allow the Lord to forgive other people through you. Here's the first one. Resist thoughts of revenge. You need to fight with everything in your being not to think about how to get back at that person. All that's going to do is lead you to bitterness and to anger and it's going to separate you more and more from the Lord. Romans 12, 19 says very clearly, don't take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Now here's a news flash for you. The Lord's idea and understanding of wrath and judgment is far greater than yours. And he'll take care of the situation in a much better way than you ever will. So we need to resist thoughts of revenge. Here's the second thing. We need to pray for our enemies. It's hard to be mad at somebody that you pray for on a regular basis. Did you know that? Here's what the scripture says. Christ in Matthew 5 said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If there's somebody in your life that's wronged you, that's sinned against you, that's done things that they shouldn't have done, you should spend time praying for that person. You should ask the Lord, first of all, to reveal to that person their sin. You should ask the Lord to deal with that person properly. And you should ask the Lord to give you the strength and the grace to forgive. And then third, the third thing you need, resist Pray, and number three, trust the Lord. At some point, forgiveness is not gonna come until you say to God, I know you've got a bigger plan. I know you can take care of this far better than I ever can, Lord. I'm gonna trust you with my life and this situation. Your will be done, not mine. But it starts with the perspective of understanding that God's got a much bigger plan than we do. That's first. Now, let's continue verse nine. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Joseph said, look, go down and get dad, bring all the stuff back up to down to Egypt. I'll provide, you can live in this region, I'll take care of you. Verse 12, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it's really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Verse 14, then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept. Benjamin embraced him weeping, and he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Here's truth number two. 
We can forgive by realizing, number two, that God can restore relationships when we forgive. God can restore relationships when we forgive. Now, just remember, up to this point, Joseph has had a very difficult life. In fact, I've kind of recounted a little bit of all he had dealt with, but, but even kind of above and beyond all the physical struggles he had been through, let's remember, he had never had a good relationship with his brothers. They really kind of hated him at a young age. They hated him from the beginning. It was the brothers that threw him into the pit, sold him into slavery. And so for all these years now, he's remembered all they've done. For all these 22 plus years now, he's had to deal with the thought of his brothers and all that's happened in his life and all the struggles he's been through. But at this point, we begin to see in these few verses of chapter 45, we begin to see where we're moving now from this idea of repentance and forgiveness into now kind of this important area of reconciliation. Because after all that Joseph has been through, when he forgives his brothers, I want you to notice what happens. Bring verse 14 back up if you would for me, Stephen. The Bible says he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and he wept and Benjamin embraced him weeping. Now verse 15. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Right, We're beginning to see this process of reconciliation. Just remember, here's, here's, the, here's the pattern. We have the idea of repentance which leads to forgiveness which leads now to Reconciliation. Gordon Wenham, who's one of the commentators that I've read throughout this study, fantastic commentary, here's what he says. He said, the God of Genesis is a God of mercy and grace who answered Jacob's forlorn prayer beyond his wildest dreams. Remember, Joseph's prayer was just to get out of prison. Do you remember that? We kind of talked about that building up to this point. Joseph's prayer was just to get out of prison and go home. But God said, I've got such a bigger plan for you. Not only are you going to get out of prison, not only are you going to now become second in charge of Egypt, not only are you going to be one of those powerful men in the world, on top of all those things, through the grace of the Lord and forgiveness in your life, I'm now going to allow you to reconcile with your brothers and have a relationship with them that you've never had before. You know, sometimes the only way for us to restore broken relationships is through forgiveness. But that's difficult. Because here's where we end up in our, in our minds. We say, you know, if I forgive that person that did this to me, then I'm kind of letting them off the hook. Because if, if I forgive them, then they're going to think what they did to me wasn't that bad after all. If I forgive them, it's going to be as if nothing ever really happened. And so I just want to speak some truth into your life and to tell you those things that you're probably considering and thinking are wrong. And so I've given you several things. I've got them on the screen. I want you to see what forgiveness is not. I want you to hear these things and, and just kind of process them. Forgiveness does not mean the wrongs done to you were acceptable. It does not mean there are no consequences for the person that wrongs you. Look, look at what Joseph does. Joseph, Joseph doesn't say, listen, guys, not a big deal. It's fine you threw me in the pit. There wasn't really anything wrong with that. You guys were just being silly, having a good time. None of that happens. 
In fact, last week, Judah is very clear the sin that they've committed is wrong. They've sinned against God. He's repented. Nobody said that it's acceptable and there are no consequences. You don't have to say to the person that sinned against you that there are no consequences or what you did is acceptable in order to forgive them. I think that's, that's, a, that's a hurdle some people need to get over. Just because you forgive some, somebody does not mean you've justified their actions. Forgiveness does not mean you're weak. Forgiveness does not depend on the other person's actions. You know, that person may not have repented. That person may be living a lifestyle still contrary to the truth of the word of God. You can still forgive that person. Forgiveness is really between you and the Lord. And forgiveness does not mean everything's going to be perfect, that the relationship still may need lots of work. Just because we forgive doesn't mean tomorrow everything's going to be perfect. Sometimes the, the longer the struggle and, and the longer the sin, the longer it takes to fully reconcile. But we begin the process with forgiveness. So forgiveness is, I think we've got three things to show. Forgiveness is, on the next screen, forgiveness is about how much you trust the Lord to take care of the situation. That's what forgiveness is. Lord, I trust you. You're going to take care of it. Forgiveness sets us free to move on with our life. We're not focused on the bitterness and the anger and the wrath and the revenge. And number three, forgiveness provides an opportunity for reconciliation. So again, here's the process, here's the pattern. We've seen repentance, which leads to forgiveness, which now leads to reconciliation, which is a pattern that's true in, in Joseph. It's true in the Old Testament, true in the New Testament, true in our salvation. And listen, for those of you who may doubt right now the circumstances you're in, it's still true today. Repentance leads to forgiveness, leads to reconciliation. Our relationships through the power of the Lord working through us can be restored. Now we need to finish up. Verse 16. So when the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals, return to the land of Canaan, bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You are also directed to tell them, do this. Take some carts from Egypt for your children and your wives. Get your father and come. Never mind about your belongings because the best of all Egypt will be yours, right? Pharaoh says, listen, I'm going to take care of your family, Joseph. All they've got to do is get back and I'm going to take care of Verse 21, so the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh's commanded. He also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver, five sets of clothes, and this is what he sent to his father. Ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, Ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away. Just as they were leaving, he said to them, don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt, came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he's the ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. By the way, pause for a second. 22 years of this man believing that his son has been killed to now find out he's alive. Verse 27, when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. So let's stop there and remember. 
God's got a bigger plan. We need to put that in perspective and remember his grace. Through that grace and through that plan and through that forgiveness, God can restore relationships. And then kind of the, the, the final picture here, the final understanding in this text, number three, we can forgive very simply because God has first forgiven us. We can forgive because God has forgiven us. When you think about all the wrongs of our lives, all the mistakes we've made, all the sins we've committed, when you compare that to the holiness of Christ, who was sinless and perfect and did no wrong, and even in the midst of our sin, the Bible tells us, he gave himself for us on the cross. So the perfect sinless prince of peace forgave me an imperfect sinful man here's what you need to begin to remind yourself over and over and over as you try to forgive others i can forgive others because christ has forgiven me i can find the strength to forgive because christ has forgiven me ephesians chapter 4 Verses 31 through 33, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. C.S. Lewis said it like this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. You know, many of us know the story of Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot was a missionary in Ecuador in the 1950s. And before reaching unreached people groups was kind of the thing to do, Jim Elliot was reaching unreached people groups. And so he found this remote tribe, the Aucas in Ecuador. And they were so remote, they couldn't even get to them without an airplane. And so over the course of many months, Jim Elliott and some missionary friends of his would get in this small little airplane, fly over the jungle where this village was and this tribe lived, and they would begin to pray for these people. And as they prayed for them, they began to kind of feel their heart be stirred and a little more warm to the idea of trying to reach out to these people. And, and this is a tribe of people that no one had ever made contact with and survived. But Jim Elliott felt like the Lord was calling him to share Christ. And so they began to drop little packages on parachutes. And day after day, week after week, they would give packages. They would see these people, this tribe of people, take these packages back into the village. And they begin to feel like these people were beginning to understand them a little bit more and, and possibly could be welcoming to them. And so in a very brave move, Jim Elliott and his missionaries decided they were going to try to reach out to these people. And so they landed their plane... They stayed on the beach, they camped out. Several days later, uh, 30 or 40 of these Aucas approached and according to the story, Jim Elliott and his men were speared to death by these Aucas Indians. They found their bodies downstream many days later. Now, most of us know that story. We've heard the story of Jim Elliott. But for most of us, we kind of think the story ends there. We don't know about his wife, Elizabeth. See, here's what Elizabeth decided to do. After her husband and these other missionaries were murdered, she took their 10-month-old child, 
the sister of another missionary that had been killed, and for two years continued to pray for those people, continued to give gifts to those people, continued to reach out to those people, and through her work and through her prayer and through her faithfulness, years later, those people came to know Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to the words of Elizabeth Elliot. To forgive is to die. It's to give up one's right to self, which is precisely what Jesus requires of anyone who wants to be his disciple. If anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, Jesus says, he must give up all right to himself, carry his cross every day, and keep close behind me. For the man who wants to save his life will lose it, but the man who loses his life for my sake will save it. Following Christ means walking the road he walked, and in order to forgive us, he had to die. His follower may not refuse to relinquish his own right, or his own territory, or his own comfort, or anything that he regards as his. Forgiveness is relinquishment. It's laying down. No one can take it from us any more than anyone could take the life of Jesus if he'd not laid it down on his own. But we do as he did. We can offer it up, writing off whatever loss it may entail, in the sure knowledge that the man who loses his life or his reputation or his face or anything else for the sake of Christ will save it. She said, I have one desire now, to live a life of reckless abandon for the Lord putting all my energy and strength into it. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is giving up our rights to self, recognizing God's plan in our lives, accepting his grace, and forgiving others because Christ forgave us. Now I want to close. I need one more minute and I'm going to be done. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You don't have to flip there, but I've got it on the screen. As the life of Joseph was ending and the book of Genesis was ending and the story was winding down, Joseph said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And I thought, you know, we ought to take that text, that one verse, and apply it to our lives. And so pull up the final screen. There are people in our lives that have sinned against us. You know who they are. Maybe you're struggling with it right now. Someone has wronged you. They've done something they shouldn't have done. You put their name or that situation in the blank. And here's what I want you to pray during the invitation over the next few minutes and really for the rest of the day and hopefully for the rest of your lives. That person meant this for harm, but God is going to use it for good. Because if he'll he'll trust the Lord, if we'll allow him to work, then even in the most difficult of circumstances, his glory will be made known. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word and, and Father, really for just a, a biblical understanding of forgiveness through the life of Joseph. Again, Lord, not because of what Joseph did, but because of what you did through him. 
your plan, Lord, your grace, your forgiveness, your reconciliation, Father. Help us to understand those steps and that pattern and help us begin to understand, Father, that through you working in our lives, we really can forgive. And that doesn't mean that we've justified or accepted. It simply means, Father, we're turning everything over to you. We trust you to do the work. Father, give us the strength and the courage to be the men and women of God you've called us to be, to repent and forgive and then allow, really, over the course of time for reconciliation to take place. And Father, we're going to praise your name for all you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. I want to tell you something before we, before we begin to sing. We had a lady come at the end of the 930 service. She says, you know what, Adam? I've never really received that forgiveness of Christ. I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage some of you. Maybe you've never really received that idea or understood that idea of forgiveness that Christ has forgiven you. If that's you and you want to give your heart to Christ today, I'll explain to you how it happens. Come down and talk to me. Let's sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.